Perfect. Now I have your numbers. Thanks. Hey, I'm Robbie Kramer. You're listening to the Leverage Podcast, where we discuss using your social skills to hack dating, travel, finding your dream job, and becoming a complete man. So we're going to start today's episode with a quote, and it's from one of my favorite comedians, Jim Jeffries. And Jim Jeffries says, I've got a theory. Every single time a man sleeps with a lot of women, he's called a stud. But if a woman sleeps with a lot of men, she's called a slut. And people think that's unfair. Nah, it's completely fair. And I'll tell you why, right? Because it's fucking easy to be a slut. And it's fucking hard to be a stud. To be a stud, you have to be witty, charming, well-dressed, have nice shoes, and a fake job. To be a slut, you just have to be there. There are fat, ugly sluts out there. There are no fat, ugly studs. I've met slutty dwarfs. I've never met a stud dwarf, maybe in their own realm, but none that have ever crossed over to our world. And when I say sluts, I don't mean that as a bad word. I love sluts. I fucking need them in my life. Sluts, they're the best. I want what everyone else wants in the world. I want to fall in love. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to be happily ever ever. I want to be happily ever after. But the problem is I've done this job for so long and fucked so many sluts that I can't go back to nice girls because nice girls are shit in bed. So that's Jim Jeffries. If you haven't seen that, it's hilarious. Much better delivery than I just did. And on today's episode, we have the host of the Man Whore podcast, Billy Presida, and we're going to be talking all about sluts and studs and maybe man whores and, and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, he's got an awesome show, and I'm really excited to have him on. So, Billy, welcome. Hey, welcome, welcome. Uh, oh, oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. Uh, you know, I, I know he plays up the chauvinism for, for the bits, but, you know, if dudes would treat the sluts like people more, they'd find themselves to be studs. I agree completely. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I when when he <laughs> when he basically went on that rant, when I saw it the first time, I'm like, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. And I love sluts, too. I consider myself a slut. Um, I used to be a huge slut. Now I'm actually in a monogamous relationship. And I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit later. Um, and we can kind of get into some of these terms or whatnot. But before we do that, why don't you just uh, give us your background, introduce yourself. How did you start your own man whore podcast and how did you kind of become, you know, Billy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how I became Billy sounds like a, a whole mini series uh, that, you know, I, it's funny because I do I do um, an annual thing with my listeners called Man Whore Con we did it more in the before times. I look forward to doing it again. And the last in-person man whore con we did, one of the events was my mom came one afternoon and we had a meet Billy's mom Q&A so you could ask her like why I am the way I am. Uh, and it started with like a really surprising story I had no idea about, about my dad's stance on period sex. <laughs> so I guess that's a factor. Uh, hi. Yeah, no. Uh, so I'm a stand-up comedian here in New York City. My name is Billy Presida, and I host a show called The Man Whore Podcast, uh, a sex-positive quest for love. Um, and I started the show back in 2014 talking to women I'd hooked up with about why we didn't work out. 
And uh, the show has since expanded beyond such a, an embarrassing, <laughs> an embarrassing premise. But like, I, I do still uh, occasionally talk to exes on the show, but I also now talk to sex educators and sex workers, queer performers, dating experts, uh, other comedians and such, you know, about gender, love, sexuality, butt stuff, all the good, all the good things. All the good stuff. Yeah. I, I recently listened to one of your episodes where you were interviewing, um, I forget what her name was, but she was a black unicorn who attended a lot of sex parties. Oh, Gabrielle Alexa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I used to be pretty heavy in the sex party sort of swinger lifestyle scene back in in L.A., I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting to, to hear her sort of take on on unicorn hunters and all that good stuff. Uh, what, what was your kind of like upbringing when it came to sex and sexuality? Like, when did you, you know, for me anyways, I was very much like a, a nerd and a, and a geek and didn't, you know, I was always kind of like interested in that stuff and masturbating and doing all those things that, you know, young guys do, but oh, it wasn't until, uh, <laughs> it wasn't until like my early twenties when I started really kind of, you know, getting more comfortable with that area of my life and, and actually trying to go out and meet women and, and have sex and improve myself as a man. And that's kind of where this whole journey took me through that experience. But what was, what was that sort of like for you? Um, well, you know, I, I, sex wasn't really talked about in my family of origin terribly much. Uh, I, I don't think they were too nervous about it. Or maybe they're nervous I wasn't going to have it. Uh, I was a very much bullied kid. Uh, Not like you're running the mill, like, oh, we all get bullied. Like, I got bullied so much, they put me on a red flag list after Columbine. Yeah, that's a a lot of bullying. I wasn't a violent kid. I didn't wear all black. They were just like, the kids seem to hate them. And we don't know what could happen. Uh, so so uh, women weren't really even like an option for me until I got to college, um, it, wh- whether it was like when I was growing up in, in grade school or going to high school, I went to a boarding school. You know, I, I always kind of end up friends with the girls, but the girls never really like wanted me in that way. So I had a lot of crushes, not a lot of kisses. Um, uh, but I do think that informed me a lot to when I got to college and all of a sudden people were looking at me like I might be a sexual being too, cause I was kind of like trained by women. Um, I won't give the, the, the worn out line of like, Oh, I had a mother too, as we almost all did. And, uh, and I had a couple sisters, but like all my friends were girls and I would hear them complain about men. And I would also watch a lot of stand-up comedy, which not for nothing gave me some insights into how all those like sexual interpersonal relationships worked. So when I got to college, like I, I I feel like I had a, a better training to go in and like connect with women, but like connect with women and listen and, you know, give a shit which yeah. is really the bare minimum. Like the bar is quite low for us. It is astonishing how little and how basically decent a man has to be to a woman to appear desirable. It's very sad. I long for the day where the bar is raised and I no longer trip over it and I might have to do like a little bunny hop. That might be like a good time to live in. But for now, fellas, like you just have to be half decent. And like automatically they'll be like, oh my gosh, he didn't call me a dumb cunt. This is really, this might go places. Uh, you know, it's funny when you read in the gym line, you mentioned going to sex parties in LA. Like Jim's like, I never saw a stud, a stud dwarf. I'm like, I have, 
clearly we go to different orgies. Like I've seen fat studs. I've seen, uh, I've seen dwarf sluts. I've seen uh, all the different makes and models and genders and body types. You know, if, if you want to be hot and slutty, like you can be hot and slutty if you own that shit. Um, yeah. I mean, if you, if you've seen a dwarf in a harness with two women at the same time, like anything becomes possible at that point. Completely. And, and that's the, I mean, that's the struggle I think for most people, um, especially most of the listeners to this show, it's that owning it is, is easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you ever have trouble? Like when I, I know for me, my to like own my sexuality or at least just like become more confident and have girls kind of be interested in me. It took a lot of work to kind of get over what, what I called like the inauthentic nice guy persona mm-hmm. I was running around with. Um, I was always like terrified to, to, to express attraction or interest in girls um, up until probably I was like 22 or 23 when I found the, uh, the pickup artist community. And that was the first time I'd ever like, you know, gone out and actually tried to, to be direct with a girl. And that community is all sorts of ways of fucked up, but it, um, you know, it was, it was the, the only thing I had ever done to like actually, you know, show some interest. And up mm-hmm. until then I was always the guy in the friend zone. Uh, yeah. The idea to like express interest, like, uh, sometimes can be misconstrued as like an act of aggression. And we don't, if we don't think of ourselves as aggressive men, then that can be scary. Like I used to not want to talk to a woman at a bar because especially in college, like my, like it started in college. Cause I'd be out with my friends and like in college, I mostly hung out with chicks and a gay guy. Like that was, it's actually a fun sitcom. It was just like, that was my crew all four years. So when we would go out, they'd be like, Billy, you should go talk to that girl. Go talk to that girl. And I'm like, I'm one, I'm here to hang out with you assholes. Like I didn't come out here to, to, with this new pressure to go hook up. I wanted to hang out with my friends, but even like to go approach someone at a bar, I always interpreted it as, well, she's probably out with her friends, having a nice night. Well, I'm just going to interrupt it because like, I think, you know, like my dick gets hard for her. That's, that's not a reason to interrupt her fine evening. So I will suppress what is my attraction to her, which I saw as aggressive and just be like, Oh, I mean, if she talked to me, I would say, yeah. And whatever, but I'm not going to make a move because I don't want to be like intrusive because I don't want to be that guy that like, I've heard all my chick friends complain about endlessly. Uh, So yeah, no, I definitely did not, you know, I, I also probably fell into what you're, I think what you're describing as that inauthentic nice guy persona. And it was, it definitely held me back from acting as confident as I had the capacity to be. Um, but I've, I mean, I was struggling with that up until recent years. I was just telling my girlfriend this morning, we were talking about sex parties because uh, she's going to be out of town for the next one. So either I'm going to go solo or I'll bring a date. Uh, but she was asking, like, well, you know, were you nervous? Because I recently brought her to her first one where she was very nervous. I was like, I don't think I felt confident to go up to a woman and say, hi, I'm Billy. I think you're really cute. Until the first post quarantine sex party that happened in like April, like I, I think it took until then for me to really be like, yeah, I am a, I can go up to someone in this context and just be like, I think you're attractive. This is my name, and 
you know, based off of whatever verbal cues and nonverbals you're about to give me, you might actually want to entertain a conversation and possibly sit on my face later. So like that only happened for me even recently. And I, and I kind of fuck for a living. Right. <laughs> so how did you, so that was kind of the opposite way that I did. I started with the, uh, you know, literally running up to girls, telling them they're cute and not having the balls to stick around and even introduce myself. I would just be like, uh-huh. Hey, I think you're really cute. And then I'd run away. Cause that's like the, the anxiety was, was, uh, so crazy. If you obviously. run away before they heard no, then did they say no? You know, it's like the tree falls in the, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, so I probably did that, you know, 10 to 20 times before I even had the confidence to just say I'm Robbie. But it wasn't until much later when I was already experiencing like a, you know, a pretty abundant dating life that I started branching out into sex parties and going to swingers events and that sort of thing. So how did you kind of find your way into that world? Mm. Um, I'll, I'll answer that in a moment, but just just one one slight anecdote that like ties into this concept of like being young and like really nervous about things and, and not believing yourself is I interviewed the woman who took my virginity a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I call her like, hey, you want to come do the podcast? And as she made a deal with her husband who wanted to go skydiving and she always say no. And he would always say no to her doing the podcast. So she's like, look, if you let me do a podcast, I'll let you go skydiving. So. <laughs> That was the, so, yeah. And so I drove up to Boston. We talked and suddenly, uh, you know, when, when she, I went to like, I drove to like Connecticut when I was 18 to this like house party she was throwing where she was probably going to like, we were going to hook up. And she made this really cool observation. She said like you, the way you were at that party and interacting around my friends or, or whatever. She's like, I don't think you realized how attractive you were. She's like, you were acting like you were some sort of hideous chud at the party. And everyone was like, why is this like cute guy acting like such an ugly weirdo? Like, you know, she's like, you you didn't see it in yourself. We all saw it, but I didn't see it. And uh, and that was like wild to me. Um, How I got to. Yeah, hold on. Before we do actually jump to the sex party thing, I think it's I'm uh, I'd rather ask you a few questions first about some of these other feedback from the ex-girlfriends, because that's. uh, I mean, I love the concept for that for a, for a show. Um, and oftentimes my clients will, um, they'll ask me like, you know, this girl, she doesn't want to talk to me or she doesn't want to see me again, but we were never really, they never made it to that, like that boyfriend, girlfriend zone. It was more mm-hmm. just either casual or if the girl ghosted them. And they're like, well, why can't I just ask her like what I did wrong? And maybe I'll get her back. I'm like, eh, unfortunately, she's probably not going to answer honestly. And she's she's definitely not going to want you back after that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> help me. Um, yes. Yeah, so what other like interesting stories or or cool sort of feedback did you hear? Unexpected feedback. Did you hear from from your exes that you interviewed? Well, your clients can do that if they buy microphones and make it like a very embarrassing public facing project. They <laughs> then they might say yes more. Now, um, I, you know, I mean, early on, I started the show when I was 24 years old. So I was like, I started the show because women would sleep with me, but they wouldn't date me. And I wanted to find out why, because like I wanted a relationship and lovey dovey things and cuddles. But it was always the woman who told me she wanted to keep it casual, which is even weirder because normally, like, I think when. And you tell me your experience of what you hear from your clients. But I feel like when a 
when somebody in something casual expresses having feelings and wanting to escalate, if the other person doesn't want to escalate, usually it just ends because they're like, well, you you want more and I just want to fuck you. So I guess we'll just not. But like the women would always tell me, like, I'm not going to date you, but also stick around. I like that thing you do with your tongue. Like it was very weird. Um, and so like I would get some interesting feedback, but I was getting I was starting to get feedback when I was still so young. Like the feedback was just chill out. It will happen. Mm. You know, I mean, that was the I think I did my 10th episode with this sex researcher. It was the first like non hookup guest I had on and her husband showed up afterwards. I told him the premise of my show and he was like, can I pull rank on you? Cause he was in his forties and I was 24 and he was like, yeah, just chill. Like it's going to be fine. There there's time. Right. Uh, totally. But in getting that immediate feedback, I mean, I learned I can be very condescending to younger partners, uh, which is a thing like I'm working on uh, with the condescension. I'm very frustrating to fight with. I can get very left brain and caught up in the who's right or who actually said what thing or making sure I'm quoted correctly. And none of that ever really ended up in like, it's like, okay, I was right. It's not like I win the fight. That, that, that is a very difficult lesson to learn. Uh, some one I'm still working through and, and working on my right. personal doesn't patterns. necessarily make you uh, feel better. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I thought being right would make me happy. Oh, how wrong was I, especially in this country? I, <laughs> Um, where being right just means like you're stealing an election. I don't know. And so uh, the, uh, other feedback I would get is uh, my the way I remembered things was not always how they remembered things. And it was my introduction to the concept of like one, the unreliable narrator and how all of us are an unreliable narrator in our own life stories. But also that you know, two people can experience the same exact situation and sincerely experience it differently to the point that no one's necessarily right or wrong, but that we just experienced it differently. And I think those were some really early pieces of feedback I got that made me start to think differently about how I was dating and and to start like a process of growth and change. Um, so I, these I, were the, the girls you were interviewing were they all like, what was, you said they were exes, but were some anyone of them I hooked up with in ca some capacity. So that could have been oh, like okay. a one-time hookup to someone who I was seeing for, you know, many months. Uh, I've never had a romantic relationship last two years. I have my fingers crossed on the one I'm in now, but uh, you know, so like I've had on an ex who like we dated for three months. I've had on a casual sexual partner who we would hook up with hook up for over a year uh, so it definitely runs a range of experiences and types of relationships i mean there was stuff where i i never necessarily wanted to date her but we did hook up and i thought you know i do think there's value in talking to someone who has experienced me enough that they have an idea of what might turn because look i thought i might have been too slutty to date and this this may or may not eventually lead back into some of the more orgy-esque stuff but you know, I was very sexually experimental. I, I went to college in New York City. I went to NYU. So when I and I came here from, you know, a farmland East Bumblefuck, Connecticut boarding school. So I went from like farms to city. I went from virgin to some people might actually think I'm cute really quickly. So when I got here, that, I was that see happened at NYU. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I. I Craigslist was active here. 
So okay. there were opportunities to explore some things that were kind of Craigslisty. There were opportunities to explore connections with like other college kids at, at NYU. And, and but and for those of you who don't know, NYU doesn't have a campus. We're just a bunch of random buildings in the village. So the other part was that I was interacting with at 19 even grown ass women. Right. And so that was something you don't necessarily experience as often in college, I think. But like when I went out to a bar with my friends, I mean, like I was at a New York City bar with uh, a very underage, but with plenty of people who were in their 20s, 30s. I brought home a 27 year old once. And when she left, the three roommates, they the other three, they popped their heads out of the other room, kind of like on top of each other, like a cartoon being like, Billy, she was 27. She's so old. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> but that all like allowed me to really explore a lot of things. So I got to explore what like quote-unquote realer women how they may interact in scenarios i explored the typical college dating and i got to explore not online dating but some more deviant activities you know watching a couple fuck or meeting someone in public at a certain place or you know meeting a much older woman with very long fingers nails who would penetrate me for the first time you know it, it, it got really got to explore it all so by the time i graduated at 22 like i had i had done a lot of things that are on a lot of 50 year olds bucket lists mm -hmm. and so i was really nervous when woman after woman who i fell for wanted to just keep it casual i was starting to get in because sometimes they would this ties into the man whore name you know we there's always that part where you start like talking about sexual histories and my sexual and, and they sometimes ask questions that they think the answers no but for me the answers would surprisingly be yes so i started thinking i might be too slutty to love and that's like truly the origin of the podcast was i was nervous i might not get to like find someone who wants to love me because I had done a lot of slut shit. Uh, like the man whore term is something uh, hookups and people I dated would jokingly, they'd be like, you're such a man whore. But, and that's all cute and stuff until maybe the being a man whore thing is going to prevent me from what I ultimately want, which is love um, a partner, someone to share a life with someone to share slutty adventures with whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that and that's what ends up causing uh, the show to start. But yeah, so like I was very um, sexually explorative in college because I had access to it. I had nine plus million people to to play around with. So that was kind of a function of moving from Connecticut, bumblefuck, you know, boarding yeah. school to the city. Because yeah. I also moved to New York a little bit later. I was, uh, I think, 29. Mm -hmm. But I moved to and I, and I moved to Union Square, just just north of the, you know, NYU. Yep. And I would run around uh, Washington Square Park and, you know, talk to everyone I saw and went on a bunch of dates with NYU girls and, mm -hmm. you know, experienced the uh, all the crazy shit about living in New York City. And it really sort of opened my eyes when it came to dating. Like, and this was right when sort of like J-Date and even before Tinder was kind of a thing. But like, it's just nonstop dating, 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 going out, you know, and it bars. can be. It can't. That was. I mean, that was my experience. That's. Yeah. I was. I literally went on thirty dates in thirty days as a, uh, just as a, to see if I could. Like thirty first dates. Um, and here you can do that. You can't do that in Iowa. Exactly. Yeah. So you, when you were, like basically, like how the question I have is how did you, how did you be successfully become. I guess a, a slut or a man whore, whereas previously you were a virgin. Um, and 
didn't doesn't sound like you're very experienced. You're just like one day, like I'm just gonna start doing crazy shit and and meeting girls on you know Craigslist or whatever. Like, how did you kind of what was your your route there, your pathway there? So freshman year, although like I hooked up with some people that summer, like fooled around with people. And for me, again, like freshman year making out and even today, if I make when I go to a play party, my goal is to make out with someone new. Everything else is bonus. I love making out with like a new connection. But so back then, even like a fucking hand job would be like, oh, my God, I got a hand job. This is great Uh, (laughs) because it was all still pretty new to me. Uh, Freshman year, like I ultimately ended up having a monogamous relationship uh until sophomore year started but when i got back sophomore year oh my just really ran with it uh women were attracted to me in a way i was not used to and it was getting kind of easy i don't know if it's about the population of the ny of nyu gals or what but just i would be approached or i would just talk to someone i could tell that they were flirting with me i wouldn't really like make moves as much as like i would notice someone was laughing at my jokes even if they weren't good. So I'm like, oh, they might think I'm pretty. Um, but yeah, I just started. Function of like how you looked, your personality, obviously everything together. Were you behaving in a different way where you saw the that sort of transition from way more interested women to yeah. not? Well, I definitely started, I definitely started like acting more. I, I started acting less meek and scared when I got to college. I think that was a function of going from one institution to another because even when I went from like, cause I went to a K through eight grade school. So even when, when I went from there to my boarding school, like I still didn't really transition. I didn't, cause it, when you do something like that, if you move cities, if you move to a new, like a new office, if you move to a new school, it is always an opportunity to become someone new and try being not someone different, but a different, hopefully better version of yourself. So I, yeah. that totally happened for me when I got to college, I was like, Oh, I have permission to start over. No one here hates me yet. No one here wants to bully me, right? No one here knows any embarrassing stories yet. Like I get to start from scratch. And it wasn't I acted like a different guy as much as just a more confident version of me. I feel like I had permission to do permission that. to yeah. kind of do that. Um, like the sluttiness just kind of happened by accident. And let me, this is a really good example of like how, why I tell you know I get guys who ask me like how do I get laid and my first answer is like stop trying to get laid first mm-hmm. first thing sophomore year I lived with a couple of frat guys and one night we were in the living room it was them two it was me and one of their frat brothers and they and we were all drinking some beers and they were talking about this game that they have with women within the frat of like a point system and you got this many points for this sex act and you can only repeat any particular sex act so many times with a particular woman before it doesn't count anymore and you add up your points each semester blah 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 and i was sitting there being like this is gross this feels kind of disgusting this feels almost wrong to do and like not a great way to treat women and of course i also thought i wonder what my score is so right (laughs) <laughs> I kept quiet most of the conversation. They're all like adding and then they all start sharing the scores, sharing the scores. And then in my mind, I like tallied up that semester so far. And I blasted way past all the frat boys. It was almost as if when you treat women like people, they kind of want to sleep with you a little more. So weird. So strange when you're not con- when they're not on their defense, constantly trying to stop you from trying to fuck them. They sometimes end up kind of wanting to fuck you. Weird. Mm-hmm. Strange idea. 
Uh, and, so, and so like truly sophomore year, just like, I, I don't even know how it would happen, but just women were down to talk to me or I just talked to people and I'd realize someone's like flirting with me and I would just keep it going. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew how it would happen. I feel like I have stumbled into so much sex like that. I have no idea how I got there. I was just like, I was just being polite and nice. And maybe I threw a couple of respectful compliments out there. And next thing I know, like, you know, some, you know, my cock's in someone's mouth. I'd be like, I just, I blacked out. How'd we get here? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think like those frat guys you mentioned and a lot of guys that, you know, that come and to me for help. Um, I think there's, it's, it's either a lack of frustration. I mean, for me, it was just a lack of options and, mm-hmm a, um, you know, just a bit of a frustration and it created that, like that thirst, that hunger, that neediness. And it's really hard to be presented with the opportunity to talk to a woman you do want to sleep with and not have that neediness show through. Right. Yeah. Or the pressure of it, like, oh, my God, a woman's finally talking to me. This one is like that's kind of a scarcity model. Like, well, a woman's finally speaking with me and is kind of into it. This one has to go a certain way because I don't know when the next one's going to be. But but there is going to be next ones. Right. And and it's um, it's really sad to see because, hey, like I've been there, too. I wrote so many love poems in high school, dude, like so many that got me nothing. Uh, one time I got in the paper, in the school paper, and I went to breakfast and uh, uh, the girl's friend, Amanda, said, Billy, your words took our breath away. Kayla was like, this is such a beautiful poem. And I was like, oh, is she going to be interested? She's like, oh, no, that's not happening. But like <laughs> you had beautiful words. It, like I've been there. But and, and what makes me sad and something that like I, I do see among like capital M men is that there is this like we were all like a different Google search result for the same thing. We all probably searched something along the lines of like how to talk to women, how to get a date, how how to get laid, honestly, if that's you know, that's fine to search. And like I've, we all maybe got some different results where we clicked on a different thing, like the incels and the men's rights guys and the guy who ends up at a pickup coach and someone who talks to you and someone who who like who ends up where I end up. We just all clicked on a different link that maybe took us down different paths. There is certainly like a timeline in the multiverse where I ended up an incel. Where I ended up more angry and resentful towards women who didn't fuck me. There is there is an alternate timelines where like that is the case, and it makes me sad to see like the incels like who seem to act like pussies gonna make it all better because I see them really sad. I see people who are like really depressed and down on themselves, but like sex isn't gonna make it better. I get laid a lot, and I'm a sad clown. Like the sex won't like uh, fix it all. Yeah, uh, it's a nice soother. But like after all the chemicals in your brain wear out, you're still sad if you yeah. don't go to therapy. <laughs> I mean, I'm I I thought having sex a lot and having sex with like the most beautiful women would would it was the the secret to life. And the more I did that, the more unhappy I actually became. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, go figure. You know, I, I built my entire life to be able to do that. You know. 24 seven, kind of like a Dan Blazarian or Hugh Hefner sort of thing. That was like my version of, I don't know, heaven or something, whatever on earth. Um, But, you know, the more I did, the more kind of depressed I came, which goes back to your point where, you know, finding or 
trying to, you know, get from here to there probably won't, <laughs> won't do anything, but therapy might. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely did a little bit of that too, mm-hmm. uh, but not to go off on a tangent. The, <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's a good um, tangent. I think men yeah, need no. to be talking about this outwardly more often because I think a lot of men are obviously feeling this because you and I have both felt it and we're probably not anomalies. But if we don't hear other men talk about it, we may not think we're allowed to or we can only complain about it to our chick friends, which ends up coming out in this like weird, sad, mopey way. It's like, I don't know, like if I had known other dudes were having like the same like nervousness around women as I had, like I might have felt a little more comfortable. So, I mean, I, I, I it's fine to, you know, to get off the tangent, but I do think it's a good tangent to be on because I hope uh, other dudes here and go like, oh, like, <laughs> I don't know if the pressure was all off of that one time you're talking to a woman, that one match who actually responds to you back and everything isn't riding on this one. Gosh, wouldn't you be a little more relaxed? I know I would. Yeah. I mean, huge, big time. Did the, um, when did you get into stand up and what was the kind of the impact that that had on your persona, confidence, sex life? Because I know a lot of guys who, like, one thing that I tried when I was trying to, you know, make myself more attractive um, was improv comedy. Oh, that's a great way to look super unattractive. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) There's nothing sadder than hearing. Now I give, I will hold space for that. There are benefits for all professions of taking a level 101. I get it. That is fine. Public speaking. So I, I am, I have a since amended that there is nothing sadder than hearing someone who is not like pursuing comedy as a career than hearing someone say they're taking a level two improv class. Oh my honey. Why? Like you did the one oh one. you got some new life skills. Stop it there. Like there, it only gets sadder from here. Um, <laughs> you took the improv class. Oh my. <laughs> it was, it was a, uh, awkward class. There, there are some interesting individuals in, in that class. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it really helped me, uh, you know, <laughs> with my conversation skills. I was hoping it would, but <laughs> You just all of a sudden like you're you're, uh, you're trying to. You're, to you're, you're, <laughs> I was gonna make a dumb joke about gesticulating during conversations, oh. and that was the all you learned how to do was mime during a conversation better, but uh, you didn't feel any more confident. Dumb jokes, but please continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good improv exercise. Um, no, but what you kind of said earlier too um, about clicking the wrong link and going down a different path. I thought that was, you know, super profound and interesting because totally like that's, you know, the first thing I clicked on when I did one of those searches was like, I don't even know what it was, but it led me down this whole like sort of pick up random weird path, which I had almost no interest in prior to that. Uh, My only interest was, you know, trying to win golf tournaments and um, you know, I'd see girls, I'd get nervous around them. I'd be like, eh, probably not going to work out. And occasionally they'd fuck me. But then when I heard about this whole sort of like, wow, you could, you know, go to a bar and bang the hottest girl, that became like a new obsession for me. Um, and I remember that I, my college buddies who I was hanging out with before that, they were like, they just didn't really care about that. And I, and I, I, it, I didn't kind of get how they couldn't care about that, if that makes sense. I was so. Yeah. You're looking at them like, have you had sex before? It's amazing. (laughs) Why are we not talking about it all the time? (laughs) So it's interesting to hear sort of your take on that. Um, And then, 
just just to circle back to the kind of like what was the next sort of path on your progression after your sophomore year of college and yeah well so like college yeah there there's there's all the the mixture of the types of people I was coming in contact with there was some Craigslisty type of stuff uh where we start getting into like I mean, there were some failed group sex before this, but like I, I, I answered an ad for, when I was 22. I answered an ad for a bukkake, and that was definitely my uh, my introduction to successful group sex. Before that, I think I think it was also sophomore year, uh, sophomore junior year. I did answer an ad for a gangbang, and I went, but then the chick never showed up. That's awkward. Uh, <laughs> That's that's just like every bad gay porno where it's, uh, hey, we're all here to fuck the lady. Lady's not here. Guess we'll fuck each other. Uh, that, I feel like that's the script for a lot of those. Uh, but the first successful one was like I went to this Bukaki senior year where um, it was just really fun. And she just like blew a bunch of dudes. I also saw how happy she was because uh, and I could tell it was for her. It was Christmas time. And the Christmas tree was up. And before we started, we were talking over like what the expectations were again and whatever limits were in place. And then she says, hi, everybody. Can I make a request, please? Um, if you don't mind, if it's OK, if we could just like get a picture of me with like my face and all the dicks under the Christmas tree, it would just like make me really happy. And I was like, oh, this woman just like really wants to suck a bunch of dicks. Like, OK, uh, is like my introduction truly to something like that. And then after graduating, I answered a different Bukaki ad. There were a lot at the time on Craigslist. Uh, and it was this dude. The Bukaki kind of failed in that it was just me, him and the chick. I was expecting more of a group encounter. I, I didn't necessarily want that to be my first threesome. Um, but afterwards, I guess I behaved myself well enough. He started inviting me to more of them because he ran something called the Bukaki Social Club. Okay. How, how nice. Uh, and I start, <laughs> so I like started going to event. So it makes sense. Yeah. Like he, he had these friends or he meet women who wanted to get gang banged or like they wanted to experience like a lot of men in a group sex scenario. And so he had this like email list of dudes he would invite and he would always invite me and he would never charge me because I didn't know there was a charge until I go to the next one. And he's going around the circle, like saying, all right, let's do a, Hey, just say this, do this icebreaker, say who you are, introduce yourself. And then um, we'll take your donation. And then he gets to me and I hear donation. I'm like, wait, what? Cause I'm like 22 and broke. And I was like, I was just here for blowjobs. Uh, and he gets, and then he, Jefferson got to me, points at me. He's like, and Billy, you already took care of that. And he winked at me. I was like, Oh, this night, this nice man just wants to shepherd a young boy into some free blowjobs. How nice. Uh, <laughs> but I started getting invited to those. And then he had a birthday sex party that he invites me to. And I say, sure, I go. I want to go. And I get he was hosting it at a place called Hacienda. So Hacienda is the play party community I'm currently a part of. I wake up that day and I'm actually, I wake up sick. So I don't go more. People should do that when you're feeling sick. Don't go to shit. Stay the fuck home COVID or not. And so he, but I, I don't feel well. So I, I had to cancel. I was like, Oh, I can't make it. But that got me on the Hacienda email list. Mm -hmm. And then about like nine ish months later, like I finally, I keep getting these emails for the play parties and they all had a theme and it was all like, Oh, look beautiful and sexy. And so I finally was like, you know, I think I'm going to go. And and I finally went at, at 25. I went to my first uh, sex party and I actually went with someone who I had recently interviewed on the podcast. 
after the podcast, we we clicked. We ended up talking for a couple more hours off mic. And then we ended up fucking um, after whatever time apart that we had had. And so I ended up bringing her to my first sex party. And it was like really interesting and fun. And the so party- before you go into that, oh, I'm so curious. What so what was her feedback for, for you? Uh, well, first, how did you guys, why did you guys stop fucking? What was her uh, feedback? And then what happened in that discovery process that led you to fuck again? For sure. Uh, let's see. Kaylee and I met on like an online dating site for college kids called Date My School. Uh, it was a very small little niche. Like it was one of those ones where like you had to have a very certain school email address to join. Uh, mm-hmm. They were trying to build a thing. So we met like I was probably 23 two and she was 20 something like that and we were hooking up for a while we ended up stop hooking up i forget exactly why i think it had to do with like just not wanting to anymore uh Mm -hmm. probably something like that i'd have to go re-listen to her episodes to remember she stopped wanting to or you both stopped wanting to I probably never wanted to stop because she's really hot and good in bed. I always remember like Kaylee was great in bed. She was actually my fifth episode. She was like a very early episode of the show. One of her things was that like I was kind of condescending to her and then she wasn't even that much younger. Right. But like I was out of college and she was in college. Like it was that little, but you know, you're 22, 23. You're like, Todd, those college kids. I know so much now. And like the fuck do you know, 23 year old, you're still on your parents' health insurance. So, uh, I, but having her back, she definitely like the way I spoke to her, uh, was definitely ha- part of her feedback. Um, and then, but afterwards, like we were talking a lot and just like, we kind of clicked. Cause that's the weird thing about doing a show. Like I do is that I am reconnecting with people that I once had a connection with and right. on quite a few occasions, sometimes like the talking and going back into it kind of re sparks it. And then like all of a sudden, like, I would guess that would re spark it like a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, I mean, sometimes, you know, there's no spark that's going to re-spark certain (laughs) disconnects. But uh, (laughs) I mean, Jesus, one time I I talked to someone who said that when she came to my place one time after we hadn't hooked up for several months, she said, yeah, when I showed up to your place, I thought in my head, wow, Billy got fat. So like, I don't think I wanted to fuck her after that episode, but (laughs) but. yeah, sometimes, yeah, that, that reconnection happens again and we end up fucking again or we tried dating again, whatever. So Kaylee and I ended up hooking up for a, a little bit of a time afterwards, including going to Hacienda together. And then we stopped. And by the way, like after we stopped, after some time, she came back on the show. Be like, why did we what did I do this time? Like, why did we stop again? Uh, it's I am a glutton for emotional punishment. Funny. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> How often would they say something where you're just like, all right, I'm just going to have to swallow that one. And uh, I can imagine that gets a little bit awkward at at points, like with the fat comment or, I mean, you must be great at kind of taking that feedback, of course. Well, it really Uh, helps. It it really helps, dude. You know, when you hate yourself, uh, you can take all that so much easier because I'll be like, you know what? I agree. I also think I suck. So let's no. Um. I, 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 you know, it's interesting. I, 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 maybe I should go back and start listening to like old episodes from that first couple of years of the pod because 
currently in present day, I am much more open to criticism and hearing it and also wanting to grow and change, not simply based on behaviors, but like what's underneath that in my core and my soul, you know, big, big fans of growth and change in this house these days, 24, 25, 26, really not as open to it would hear stuff and not hear here's something I can do differently. If it's a piece of feedback I didn't agree with, well, now it's an argument as opposed to me just hearing something and like taking it or or like, you know, there's a, a saying we had at my high school, which was like, if the shoe fits, wear it, if not, throw it away. Right. But my mid 20s, my early 20s really wasn't open to hearing it. So I might have gotten feedback and not actually heard it. So even now, like, I don't know what Alessandra actually thought she might have if I listened to it now five, six years later, I might be like, oh, she was trying to tell me something here, but I wasn't hearing her then. Yeah. So the, those early pieces of feedback are actually kind of behavior based because I think that's all I was hearing. And if I listen to it now, I might hear shit differently, <clears throat> um, so, which is a, which would be an interesting exercise for me, because uh, now when I hear like a tough piece of feedback, you know, I'm ready to hear it and like sit with it. And but I wasn't I always didn't have that capacity. I actually took this like sort of strange woo woo spiritual growth uh, six month intensive where that's kind of like all we did. <laughs> we, we did these strange exercises where we'd like, you know, do dances or skate around on rollerblades. And then he would videotape us and everyone in the group would essentially just criticize you and point out everything that you were doing wrong or bad or also good but it was mostly negative. They would point out like why your skating was shitty. He would say like you, you yeah it'd be like you 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 know you're disconnected from your future and you're such a greedy asshole that I'm seeing that you know that asshole in your skating. I hate you as I'm watching the skating and you're just wow. like wow okay uh you were like i was just going in a circle bro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly and then he'd say something like you know can you see how you're subtly manipulating everyone here you're you know you're really trying to like take us out here i'm like i don't see that at all but i'm in the class so you know so and obviously the point of that is to think like well where else in my life do i maybe do that it's not about the skating it's exactly. about like does that come out elsewhere it's 100 percent his whole premise was how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm. Uh, and that's why he would use these different sort of movement exercises to, to deduce that. But, um, yeah. but yeah, just that process of getting feedback and taking, taking that in and, and realizing what you hear versus what you don't, um, you know, as far as personal growth goes, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I bet, I bet if I, if I re-listen to those first 50 episodes again, ever, if I ever wanted to like uh, frustratingly do that, I bet you I would learn more about what they were trying to tell me about myself then. I, I bet you I would leave those 50 episodes with a new understanding of like what it was I was doing in my early 20s and in college um, in a different way than however I experienced it when I recorded those, for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's also, you know, I think that's age and maturity. And I think that's just trying to, you know, I'm in a place where I want to do better. Whereas in back then I had a lot more defensive energy and I wanted to prove why y'all should stop criticizing me. Right. And the, the thing you said earlier too is, and the, the thing that I forget someone pointed out to you was like, it'll get easier when you get older. And mm-hmm. I found that to be 
probably the most truthful thing when it comes to you know having more options and more success as a man in general. It's just we get better with age and we stop doing a bunch of the wacky shit that we we're doing as a 22 or 23 year old when we get into our early 30s and things just get much easier and feedback gets easier to take or you hear more feedback and whatnot. How old are you, by the way, now? Uh, I am 32. My hair is 45, but my I'm 32. Oh, okay. I'm 39, yeah. but I had a hair transplant. You're 39. What? Wait, no. wait. One, fuck you. You're 39 too. Wait, you did the hair transplant? How I was did. it? Dude, I am just look, I'm, you know, I just as I'm trying, I got to figure out what I want to do with this. Um, I think I need a Netflix special before I can afford such things, but that looks great. Thanks, man. I'll show you my, my Ukrainian license picture when you can see. The amount I can I see have. some uh, hints of the, the, trying the to get the light. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Such a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I can see that it was, yeah, you're definitely a candidate if you would. If I'm, you I'm, a, I'm at the phase now where I'm getting less self-conscious about like my, the, like my torso. I'm getting way more self-conscious about what's on the top of my head. <laughs> well, the, uh, you know, if you, if you do do it, definitely do it in Turkey. Cause it's like one fifth the price. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. I've never been to Istanbul. It sounds like a fun vacation. It's just a bunch of guys walking around with bandanas on and, and hair transplants. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the same as you. I've always kind of like, you know, it's either my nose or my weight or my hair. And I'm like, well, you know, try to, you know, take one thing at a time or just not give yeah. a fuck. Well, doing the OnlyFans has helped me with the whole weight thing because one, I'm learning like, oh, my body isn't like <clears throat> desirable and I'm not desirable in spite of my body. Like this is like, I used to always, always think that dude bodies could have like, a, like, I don't know, three-ish body types that are attractive. There's like a slender look like that hipster boy. There's the jacked ripped version. Uh, and then there's also just like a kind of like average size. It's not even that they're strong, but they're certainly not overweight. Like there's no overweight, unless you were like an offensive lineman, there was no like overweight icon as a young boy. But now I'm realizing, oh, like there are women who just, who just think that this is a hot body, just like there are dudes who don't fetishize fat women, but just like yeah, like I, I think that there are a lot of body types that are hot. For me, I'm a face guy. Uh, so it's like, yeah, there are people who think a oh, fat woman is hot, not despite certain things, but just like, no, that body's really hot. And so I'm learning that through having an OnlyFans that some people just think my my thick bod, my big butt are like desirable, grabby, hot things. Uh, and so so I've actually made a, a deal with myself having the OnlyFans where I was like, Okay, I can because the first month I did it, I made my rent. And so it was like, like okay. What I hear about this. So you you started an OnlyFans account. Yeah, pandemic was tough for everybody. <laughs> was it goal? Like cause the I know a lot of girls with OnlyFans accounts. Um yeah. and they're all uh, you know, they're on seeking arrangements or now seeking. Um, yeah. and they're models and they're you know, they're using OnlyFans as I think most people use OnlyFans, but I, I've never spoken to a guy that has an OnlyFans account. So tell me, tell me more. That's this me. is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I started it uh, August of 2020 and first month made my rent because I, I've also been cultivated. Here's the thing. It's like, you know, in, unless you are like a really hot person on Instagram who can just like post 
what you view as hot or whatever it it helps when you have an audience it's kind of like patreon but for nudes so it's like i already was cultivating an audience for years who have been hearing about my dick for so long some of them were curious about my dick and now i gave them a and i found ways to like monetize my dick before but like um early pandemic some dude paid me like i don't know i think i, I think i charged him like 200 bucks plus all the shipping stuff made a clona willy of my dick because there's this thing called clona willy and you can make a vibrator mold of your cock uh and so right. he paid me a couple hundred dollars to make a copy of my cock for him to put in himself on his own time um so like i've had ways to do that but then only fans was like a more appropriate place to sell that type of content and so i started that and and the deal i made with myself was okay billy you can keep hating your body if you want to. You don't have to like your body. If you want to hate it, that's your choice. But I can't call it not hot because that body paid rent. So it was like, you can hate your body if you want, but you got to respect it because that yeah. body's working. You can't argue with the, you know, it pays the bills. It pays the bills. Yeah. So I was like, I guess against my own thoughts, I am a hot boy. And we spell boy B-O-I because that's, that's how apparently the queer boys like to spell it. And I like to cater to my audience. <laughs> <laughs> so most, I'm guessing most of the, the people find their way from your podcast to the OnlyFans. Uh, podcasts and, and the social media, but also like I got some like good press early on. So I was in some BuzzFeed news articles about men with OnlyFans. So I actually get a lot of dudes who are just like, or people. I get a lot of women too, who will just be like, I saw you in an article, came on by nice because that uh, because someone with my face and body is not who we assume to be on OnlyFans. so when they find out that it exists they now want it um as opposed to they may have wanted it but they just didn't think it existed right yeah <laughs> it's funny how psychology works right yeah do um and, and what sort of content do you post on there Obviously, some mm. dick pics, some body shots. Adult content. <laughs> uh, well, like I, when we're done with this, I'm probably going to go back to editing this like pussy eating video I did with a friend of mine, um, Angel Amour. And uh, so like sometimes I'll post partnered content when I want to collaborate with someone. Uh, that's a new experience for me. Normally, like any partnered content I did was with people I was sincerely hooking up with in real life. They also happen to have an OnlyFans. So it's like, oh, great, let's film it too. So actually, when I filmed with Angel was the first time I was filming with someone who I had no real connection to. We just thought we should do something together. Like they did the podcast and then it was like, oh, and then like, let's shoot. Uh, but I also post like yeah, I'll post like dick pics, stuff or butt pics and, and some solo like videos of, you know, me like touching myself or putting something in myself or a uh, fun one. The angles that you just put it on the floor and like just act like I'm doing squats at the gym. And some people enjoy the view from down below. Uh, but I also just post like really like pictures I think are really cute. Mm -hmm. um, it's nice to have a place where I can just feel hot. Yeah. Instagram sometimes will mistake my chest as a as a girl's chest. So I've been censored for nudity when I wasn't nude, which is its own mind fuck. And um, moderating bots are not really a good idea. But so it was like, OK, there's these pictures that are getting me in trouble on Instagram and they are safe for work or whatever but how okay here's a place i can go and i can put them and there are people who can just say oh wow you look so hot and they can give me hearts and they can tip me and then that help like improve my self-esteem about my body especially for if i'm feeling tougher than other times about i've always had body issues and so like truly like 
having people give me money because they're like, wow, that body is so fucking sexy is like been has done wonders for my self-esteem. Yeah, I can imagine. Absolutely. But, um, what, what have you tell me more about the body issues? That's something I've struggled with kind of forever. Mm -hmm. And I've I've kind of yo-yoed with like weight loss and. Um, you know, I, at my biggest, I think I was 215 pounds. I'm five ten. Um, I'm also five ten. Fuck you. I wish I was two fifteen again. I remember, <laughs> I remember two fifteen. I, I was that not long ago. Uh, I've probably <laughs> been around that. Like when I crossed two thirty, like I was panicked, uh, mm -hmm. during COVID I crossed two thirty. I was like, Oh no, because Louis CK had a joke years ago about like how he was like, I'm 240 pounds. He's like, I think I'm. I don't know what's a healthy weight, but like, I'm pretty sure it's not your age plus 200 pounds. And so, like, <laughs> when I finally crossed that, I really started to panic and I was panic and, 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 you know, this is such stupid bullshit, but like my panic was not, Oh no. Am I unhealthy? Am I at higher risk for heart disease? I was like, Oh no. Are people going to not want to fuck me? <laughs> right. I mean, that's right? always been my, my body issues. It's always around like, are girls going to want to fuck me or are people going to find me attractive? And exactly. Uh, Instead of being like, what do I find attractive right. and, and doing and buying a fucking ring light and like getting a clicker and like truly doing some poses. Like I found how I, I would like to be a little less in the weight department because I do, you know, there's a weight that it used to be considered heavy for me that now I think I have a new appreciation for, but generally speaking, like I have found ways to look hot in this body and I have looked at pictures of other guys with my body type looking hot in their bodies that other people were saying, this is hot. And seeing other people vocally say, wow, this chubby, hairy dude is turning, is making me wet. That mm -hmm. gave me, like, hearing women say they find that hot is what's going to make me more confident that then I get to be hot too. Because I think for so long, and this is on the other side of the coin, women face it just as much, especially like as we were growing up, was... Well, we only saw people publicly acknowledge that someone was hot with these certain body types. And if you thought like a fat chick was hot, you had to like quietly tell your boys because you didn't want them to make fun of you. Right. But like, right. And now I'm seeing, I'm starting to see women like say like so-and-so is hot and it's not because they're funny or rich, but just because they think that that, that guy is hot. Um, and, and I think that's been really helpful for me. I, I mean, I struggled with disordered eating in high school. Uh, like I really, I've really had a tough time of it. It's, uh, you know, it's tough also when you have girlfriends who are struggling with it because like women struggle with it so openly and it's considered like an acceptable issue for a woman to have. But guys don't go through that as much. So it's very tough when like both me and a girlfriend are like, oh, my God, we're both feeling ugly today. <laughs> like who's taking care of who? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, but like it's truly like taking sexy pictures of myself, dressing up in some cute outfits. I'll be honest with you. Body stockings had no idea that was going to be a trick, but like I've put on some body stockings, a little bit of glitter. And I was like, damn, I look good. Like I look like a goddamn snack right now. And I take some pictures of it. And, and now I have this like nice photo set of like seven or eight pictures where I look delicious. And now I'm going to post them and people are good on strangers on the internet are going to call me delicious. And that's a feedback loop that is like helping me feel confident about my body, even when I'm not engaged in the feedback loop anymore. So if I ever get rid of the OnlyFans, I hope by the time I get rid of that, I will feel a place in my body where I don't need that anymore to feel good that I just can feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So what, what are body stockings exactly? That's different no, than uh, like <laughs> a body stocking, like 
a like it, it can be fishnet so to speak but they can uh, have like designs in them but yeah buy sockets oh, like a one yeah, it's a one piece that covers everything. Uh -huh. They usually come in about one size fits all or one size fits most, I think is what the packaging says. Um, <laughs> and just see, it's cool. I, I got one a few months ago because I was getting ready for a sex party and I didn't know what to wear. I thought, well, maybe this will fit the theme um, that, that they had selected. The theme was like something celestial so i got some like silver stars and i put them in between the fish the fishnets and it, it pulled off as an outfit but just as a piece i was like well i'm really putting on one piece of clothing but it looks like i i tried so hard because it's an intricate piece of clothing it has a pattern it has a design it's hugging my body it's hugging my curves in a way that doesn't make it feel like my curves are gross it makes it feel like my curves are just as sexy as a woman's curves and it's just like really cool to just be in this thing that i would never wear in day-to-day -day life because you can't because the dick is totally on display in a body stocking so <laughs> it, it's like cool and it's been like my go-to hack for like if i want to feel hot or like if i need a sex party outfit and i don't know what to wear uh so body socks they're, they're good and they're not super you know you can get one for like 20 to 50 bucks at like really any novelty shop and you just put that one thing on and you look way more delicious than before wow yeah Big fan. Oh. If you ever like, ah, oh, I don't, I, I need a piece of lingerie, body stockings. I mean, yes. And there's going to be a woman on the packaging. Yes. Fellas, you can wear it too. It's not it. cross-dressing. doesn't make you gay. doesn't make you queer. It's okay if you are, but like, if, if that's your concern, it's it just, it, you can just wear that shit and look good. Yeah. Especially if you have a good hang going, you know, like sometimes your cock's got like a nice heavy hang, like a hang. There's a usually it's crotchless. So like if you got a good hang going, it hangs out there nicely and it puts like everything like on a nice display. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. I I, I'm a new advocate for men wearing wearing body stockings or some kind of a lingerie esque item. Well, I mean, for the people listening, I don't know how they don't immediately go to your OnlyFans right now. So I'll make sure to OnlyFans.com slash call me Billy, you know, uh, <laughs> it's free to follow and just tip me a little bit and we'll have a fun flirty session. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm an easy guy. You know, it's like, you know, because like I'm I identify as straight, but my wallet is very bisexual. <laughs> I love it. So changing gears for a second. Um, and I, I know we have to wrap up in a little bit, but monogamy, non-monogamy. Um, I, I want to hear your perspective on that. Obviously there's a million things in between those two, but you said earlier that you've had a lot of, um, you know, your longest relationship was two years. I think you said, you just, just shy of two years. Yeah. Uh -huh. I want to see a full congressional term one day. <laughs> there you go. Um, would you ever can, obviously you're non-monogamous. Uh, have you, have you ever been, and you, I think you said you have been in monogamous mm -hmm. situations, but would you ever consider monogamy, um, in the future? And yeah, that's the question, I guess. So, you know, monogamy and non-monogamy though, they sound like two options. You know, I compare almost to asexuality and everything else. Uh, for those of you really into the asexual lingo, you could say allosexual, but you know, asexuality is the end of a spectrum, right? It is the absence of it's in the prefix and all. And then like, you know, you could say hypersexuality or whatever you want on the other end, but like everything else is sexual. Uh, 
non-monogamy is everything that's not monogamous. If you are a couple who has a threesome every year for your anniversary, you are not monogamous. Welcome to the club. I don't know if anyone told you you were one of us, but you're one of us, one of us. Google gobble, Google gobble. More people are non-monogamous than you think because, you know, not everyone's talking about their sex lives and that's fairly fine. Right. Uh, so, so I, so I am not going to have a relationship that is at the, that is monogamous as in on that end of the spectrum of possibilities. I am a big fan of people knowing that like non-monogamy is an option, though. I think it is a more fun option. I think monogamy is a valid option. What I think is happening and then continues to happen. And I think it's happening a little less now with the younger generations is People default into monogamy. I don't think a lot of people choose monogamy. I think people do monogamy because they think that's the normal thing to do, what they were raised to do, or that's the only way things can work because they haven't seen a more successful model, even though their parents who they'll be like, my parents have been in a monogamous marriage for 40 years. I'll be like, do you know they're monogamous? Because you don't know what the fuck they're getting up to. They might, you know, your parents' sex lives might surprise you. They just might have been very successful keeping it on the DL. So if you know that the that there are endless, infinite ways to form a relationship, then and you still choose monogamy, then good for you. I just want people to like choose it as opposed to like that's the default and anything else would be like, oh, I guess we'll try that. You know, like try monogamy if you want to and try whatever other relationship models. But like, you know, be more more active in choosing that. Um, I think a relationship can be whatever to or three or four or 12 people want one relationship to be. And you just have to like do this really scary thing where you talk to your partner about what y'all want and what you don't want and like how you want to form the relationship. Um, I mean, like, yes, swinging is non-monogamy. Uh, you know, having the occasional threesome is non-monogamy. Saying, you know, when you're on a business trip, don't tell me about it, but like, you know, if you have to get needs met, that's not, it's all, that's all non-monogamy. Uh, and I want more people to realize that because non-monogamy is just not as simple as open relationship, do whatever you want, no rules. Like you can make whatever rules you can think of. You can make it. I've heard of weird rules. There are couples that they're like, well, you can't kiss during the gangbang or, you know, you can right. only go out once a month on Thursdays. Like whatever rule you want, you can make it. And I just want people to know that they have those options. Yeah. And it starts with actually talking about it. And mm-hmm, being willing mm-hmm. to have that conversation because I know so many guys that are, you know, basically just like, well, I don't think she would agree to anything except monogamy. And I'm like, well, did you ask? No. Oh, <laughs> okay. just assumed. Yeah. Or like, oh, when when we're boyfriend girlfriend, it's assumed we're monogamous. Is it? That should be a thing you also talk about. You know, when people are like, oh, we got to talk about our finances, we got to talk about schedules, and we also got to talk about like, do you are you okay with me fucking another woman? Like. We got to talk about all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And w- one more just random question. After listening to the, sh- the show you did, um, I forget her name again. The Gabrielle. Gabrielle, yeah. So you had mentioned that you were both going to Hacienda later. I think it was maybe that day or that, that night. Was- yeah. yeah. First time ever. Over 400 episodes is the first time, surprising. I've sat with a guest that afternoon. We both said we were going to a sex party that night and we were going to the same one. Like, I honestly, it should have happened forever ago, but I'm, I'm glad it finally did. <laughs> so did. Did you guys fuck? Did either of you want to? Was there any sort of interesting 
you know, happenings with that. Cause that's, that's where my mind went. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if he wants to fuck her. They're both <laughs> going to the same club. They're both clearly, you know, like. Gabrielle's, Gabrielle's super cute. I, I was not thinking in that mindset at the time, but like, I would be super down to do something with Gabrielle. If like, I sensed that there was interest or anything like that. Um, or if we were at a party and you know, we were chatting, but um, it, not, it was not my intention. That night, I was taking my girlfriend to her first sex party. And my girlfriend's also new to non-monogamy, period. So that particular night, my girlfriend was just so my focus because I wanted to make her feel comfortable. I wanted her to feel safe. I wanted her to feel safe that we didn't have to do anything. That no clothes had to get taken off. We don't have to play with other people. I think we made a rule going into it i think we decided not to play with others and then at some point actually during the evening she kind of wanted to see if i wanted to include anyone i was like i want to include someone else and i want to also stick by the rule that we set beforehand so that way we know that there's no pressure involved in changing because we can just play with someone at the next party like we right. can just like go into the next party with different rules so as much as like yeah i wanted her to like she was really vibing with this really cute chick and you know, I could, I could have totally been like, yeah, how about like we all fuck around with her or I'll watch YouTube. But I was like, you know what? We can get her number and we can play with her another time. Uh, but I just wanted to really focus on like my girlfriend and her comfort and her safety. Also showing her that I can like follow a rule if we set it. You know, if I change my rule, my mind, then I don't want her to worry. Does he change his mind about other rules in the moment when it's convenient? So I wanted to show her I can also stick by something like that when I say it. I mean it. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a really sounds beautiful. Like she, um, I mean, it sounds like she obviously enjoyed herself because she yeah. was offering to take things further than the rules you set, which is, yeah, which is a very good sign. Yeah. Which means that, like, cool, then we'll just make a different rule at the next party. And if during that time, you know, she realized this was comfortable, then like I never have to expand it. And I told her, we, you know, but, you know, we, we gave her an orgasm in front of people. She got eaten out in front of like 50 strangers. That's never happened to her before. So like, yay. Yeah. Um, and, and then Definitely we clicked the golf club for that. Yeah. It's just like, I think it was, I want like, that was low key a goal of mine. It was like at a bare minimum, no matter what happens, so long as she wants to, like, I would love to just make her come in front of a bunch of people, because I think that's just a really nice feeling to have. Like when you have that orgasm and you look around, like as you're being pleasured, cause I was going down on her, like to just look out, like your boyfriend's down on you and you're just looking out on so many like different sex scenes. Cause the party I go to is very diverse in terms of like people's kinks, people's uh, dynamics and relationship models. You'll see couples, threesomes, foursomes, orgy piles. You'll see cuddle puddles. You'll see a kink scene. You'll see people just lounging on the couch after having played also looking out and they're kind of looking at you too. Like, it's just a really cool scene. Just look out, you know, like two parties ago, I didn't go with my girlfriend and I'm getting my dick sucked and I'm just looking. I'm like, this is just beautiful. Look at all these beautiful, wonderful people having a good time. And I look down and, oh, here's this like 40 something year old woman blowing me. Like what a nice life to have. Like, this is just a nice way. What was I going to do? Stay in and watch watch succession again. Nah, this was a nice night. So I wanted to give that to her. And I, and, and in that realm, we definitely enjoyed that part of it. Uh, and, and we got to kind of give her that experience and she's really excited to go to another one. And so She's going to be she's going to be out of town for the triple Xmas party, which is my favorite party every year because uh, you just see a bunch of like, you know, slutty Santas pretty much. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to like us having another group sex experience. 
to her comfort level because you know i don't know i love her i don't i love orgies i don't need to have orgies all the time and i don't need to have all my orgies with her and i'm up for if she ever said like hey i'm a little uncomfortable with you going to orgies without me for a while i'd be like okay baby because for me even though i'm non-monogamous like my girlfriend's my priority. That's how I, I'm not a relationship anarchist. I'm not solo poly. So like she is my priority. And I like that I'm hers. And that though we may want to do things, we also may choose to not do certain things for that, for our partner. Um, and and that's also- yeah, not just in mind, but like, yeah, like it's kind of like this, like a prioritization. I may not make all of my decisions based off of her wants and needs, but I'm going to like heavily weigh in her wants and needs into my decision making about what sexual connections I explore. Like I can do a lot of stuff and there will be stuff I can do and won't do because I think it'll make her feel a little better. And like for me, that's all right. I'm into yeah. that. Dude, I'd love to, uh, I feel like we could do another episode because we just started exploring the whole sex party thing and all the dynamics there. And uh, I could talk until I'm blue in the face about this stuff. So Me too. I've been, I've been talking to myself for like seven plus years. I'm always down to talk <laughs> about this shit. Um, I, and I look forward to chatting with you for my show, The Man Whore Podcast tomorrow. Uh, and we can talk about your introduction to sex parties and how you have, uh, you have the jawline and shoulders for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You were like, I was going around LA, going to orgies. I was like, you look like you, you fit in with that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, well, the LA orgy scene was interesting. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the Ukrainian orgy scene is interesting too. So, but um, I didn't even know there was one. You'll you'll have to tell me all about it. Because <laughs> you're in you're in one, Kiev yes. right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. About three years ago, mm -hmm. but um, dude, it's been awesome having you on, and thank you so much for you know so openly sharing about all the you know, cool shit you've done. And I'm sure everyone listening is definitely going to want to hear more. So tell us how people can find you, um, your podcast, OnlyFans, uh, on any other <laughs> links you want to drop. Sure, sure. Well, of course, I would love for y'all to come check out my show, The Man Whore Podcast, wherever you listen to audio. Uh, that's Man Whore, one word. Never thought in my life, like my career would partially hinge upon telling people, no, 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 it's not two separate words. You got to do one or don't show up. <laughs> uh, man and no lady, it's Man Whore, one word. Yeah, think. Yeah. My, when I call the bank and I have like an issue and I'm telling them my email address, which has Man Whore in it. Gosh, that's always fun. Can you spell that? Sure, lady. W H O R E. Yeah, like whore. Yeah, like that thing That's you almost call as bad as <laughs> my uh my username for most things. A lot of my banking is golf pimp 18 HB. Well, that and that was a choice. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, you can check out the Man Whore Podcast wherever you listen to audio. Uh I would love for you to check me out on uh social media. You just search Billy Presida. I'm pretty much the main one. If you find an old guy in a suit, that's my dad. But uh Billy Presida, uh P, P is in Peter R O C I D A. And if you want to follow my OnlyFans, if you want to take a look at my hot picks, if you want to unlock some really juicy content, or if you just like want a little cute internet boyfriend to uh to DM with throughout the day. Check me out at onlyfans.com slash call me Billy. All age, all uh, not wrong words, uh, all genders and orientations. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, thanks so much for coming on. It's been awesome. Um, those links will be in the show notes too, of course. And looking forward to, uh, to coming on your show soon. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. 
Thanks for listening. If you want more, go to innerconfidence.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes.